Jesus, we're ready. We're ready today. We're ready, Holy Spirit, to hear your voice. We're ready to hear what you have to say for us. We're ready to hear what you have to say about our country, our community. And Lord, I pray that um, as we want to see change, this change that happens within will just be so real um, that we will really sense your presence with us and your working within us. So God, I pray that as we listen to the words, our hearts will be transformed. As Andrew speaks, that you'll just use him um, to say truth to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I love a sunburnt country, a land of sweeping plains, of rugged mountain ranges, of droughts and flooding rains. Does that ring a bell? There we go. It's one of the most well-known. Um, this is actually the second verse of the poem um, written, um, but one of the most well-known bits of poetry in Australia. Hey, I love Australia. I love, I don't know, meat pies. How good is a meat pie? Um, I love our beaches. Have you ever been to New Zealand? Man, their beaches are trash. Seriously. Well, the ones I found were. England, yeah. Like that just goes downhill after that. Hey, I'm allowed to be biased, okay? I love Australia. I really do have a heart for Australia, always have. Um, but more importantly um, is that God loves Australia. Actually, bigger than that, I'm happy to go a bit bigger than that this morning, is that God loves the nations. Do you pray for the nations? Sometimes we get so small in our outlook, but God loves the nations. I think it's important that you know we're open-minded to God leading us to pray for nations. I've been praying for Tonga um, recently. We're praying for um, different nations of the world, especially as COVID has been going on. Psalm 2 says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. Here's a psalmist who's actually prophesying. This is what he said in Psalm 2. He said to me, you are my son. He's talking about Jesus way back there in Psalms. Today I've become your father. And here he goes. He says, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. You know, the nations of the world are Jesus' inheritance for what he did. And he will come. He's coming to rule in peace and love, the nations. They're his inheritance. That's why we should have a heart for the nations because God has a heart for the nations. That's why we should have a heart for Australia because God has a heart. It tells us here that Australia is part of Jesus' inheritance. How cool is that? I love it. Now, it's a bit of country. You know, you've got to love the internet. You gotta, actually, you've got to love people, don't you? Like, they, we argue about everything. Argue about the grass, you know. Oh, the grass is green. No, it's teal. Like, I don't care what color the grass is. Just want to know who's going to mow it. You know, so we argue about everything. I'm not really into arguing. But there's this guy, right? And you may have heard this. is famous probably 10 years ago or more, 20 years ago. The song was written, The Great Southland of the Holy Spirit. Now, people are arguing about that. Are we really the Great Southland of the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm actually happy to claim that. The guy who actually declared that, he prophesied that, Actually landed in Vanuatu. He was a Portuguese um, navigator back in 1606. He's on his boat like they all were back in those days, looking for land. And they believed that there was this large land mass in the southern hemisphere. Actually, the belief was quite funny because they believed there must be a lot of land on the bottom of the earth because somehow it's got to balance the top of the earth. 
Uh, that's what they believe, right? So they went looking for all this land on the bottom of the planet. And this guy's going, oh, I'm going to find it. He was passionate. And so when he landed on Vanuatu, and then they called it New Hebrides, you know, because the French and the English were fighting over it for a while. He landed, so he said, oh, I found it. And he made this proclamation. You know what's interesting? As he made this proclamation about the great Southland, Terra Australis, he proclaimed it from where he landed in Vanuatu to the South Pole. And what I find interesting is you look at some of these nations like Tonga, like PNG, the percentage of Christianity in those nations is through the roof. And I, I, I don't believe in coincidence, so I think that's really interesting. And it's interesting that um, I believe um, we can claim that. See, Matthew Flinders, when he fought for Australia to be named Australia, he actually had a copy of um, this Portuguese guy called Pedro. He'd made a journal. And they translated it. You know, some people say, oh, they argue. he didn't translate it right. It wasn't Australia, Australis or whatever. It was Austria. It's like, you know what, can we stop arguing about it and just wonder whether God used this guy, right, Pedro, who landed in the wrong country anyway, right? And then Matthew Flinders, who actually thought, you know what, I like that name and I think it's right for Australia. And God walked through all these people to get our, our country called Australia which is um, you know, Terra Australis, great southern land, really. And then this prophecy that, you know, we can receive it or we don't. But if I look at Psalm chapter 2 and think that, you know, the nations are Jesus' inheritance, I'm actually happy to claim that we could be the great southland of the Holy Spirit. Are you okay with that? You don't have to agree with that. You can argue about it if you want. Get on the internet, you argue yourself into oblivion. Or you say, you know what, it would be really good if the Holy Spirit pours himself out on our nation. And even greater, and he has been, you know, he has been. Um, with the surveys, I just want to say, you know, sometimes surveys annoy me. Surveys annoy all kinds of people. Um, it's just annoying. But it's really helpful sometimes, that information. You know, that um, the number of indigenous people that are open to Christianity and, and claim to be Christians is the same as non-indigenous people in our country. Actually, I think in some ways, indigenous people are leading the way in finding Christ and finding his freedom. You know, the Spirit of God is moving in Australia and has been ever since, you know, who know, you know well, I believe that God moves on our lives from when we're born. He's seeking us from when we're born. We think we seek him, but really we just allow him to catch up with us or something. We stop running or something. God seeks us out. And so God is moving in our land. But this morning I want to talk about, you know, if we want to see the, really Australia to be the great south land of the Holy Spirit, what do we need to do? And I believe there's three things that we need to do. The first one is to see the Spirit come. We need to seek Jesus. Now this sounds a bit funny because, you know, there's been a season in the church where we go, we need to, you know, we need to talk more about the Holy Spirit. You know, I think that's right. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father and the Son. So we don't... Sometimes there's been, you know, Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, and don't know much about the Holy Spirit. So we need to know who the Holy Spirit is. We need to know who he is and how he functions. And this is one of the things we need to learn because we don't actually seek the Holy Spirit. We seek Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes. And some evidence of this is in Acts 19, 5 and 6. It says, on hearing this, so this was Paul. Um, he's rocking around on his missionary journeys, and he ends up in Ephesus. He found some disciples. So they say, oh, we believe you know, we, we're believers, we're disciples. You go, have you heard of Jesus? No. They'd have the baptism of John the Baptist for repentance. And so Paul says to them, 
Um, on hearing this, so he shares the gospel. He says, you know, well, John came a baptism of repentance. Jesus came. Um, you know, John was only really pointing to Jesus. And so on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So they weren't seeking the Holy Spirit. They were seeking Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Don't want to get into any theological debates this morning. But the Holy Spirit's job, as we can see, if you go to John 16, I haven't got it on the screen, the Spirit of truth comes. Jesus said this, He will guide you into all truth. He will speak, um, not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. You know what we don't understand? And I, I know we don't understand this, none of us, because we do relationships so averagely. We don't understand the unity in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The other reason I know we don't understand is because we, we suck at submitting to each other. Oh, I want to have my way. I want to have my power. I'll never forget playing Monopoly with my cousin. I've probably told this story, but it always reminds me of this. We're playing Monopoly, you know, it's... If you want demons to manifest, play Monopoly. <laughs> we're playing Monopoly. Me and my cousin, he was my age and younger sister. Oh, she wanted to play, so we let her play. She's about four years younger than us. And then, you know, he got some motels or whatever and she landed on him and, you know, then it's on for young and old. And so she had to hand over the money and then she's going, it's my money. You know, how much are we like that? It's my money. My cards, my hands. You know, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit don't do that stuff. They have their function. They understand their function. They submit to one another. Jesus submitted to the Father. The Holy Spirit submits to Jesus. They all have their function. They're all equal. You know, Salvation Army doctrine nails it pretty well. They're equal in power and glory. So they're all God, but they have different function. You know what? We're all people loved by God. We have different function. Can we stop being competitive about it? I don't ever see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being competitive. I actually don't think it's a biblical concept. We need to just relax and enjoy who God made us to be. That's completely not in my notes. But we need to understand the role of the Holy Spirit. So we seek Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes because he, he, his whole job is to connect us with Jesus. Jesus said he left so the Holy Spirit could come. Is that okay? Secondly... To see the Holy Spirit stays. I haven't highlighted these words, and I probably should have. Because the first one is to see the Spirit come. To show up in the first place, we need to seek Jesus. So, you know, when we become Christians, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Or where you know, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. To the degree we're surrendered, I think, it's to the degree we're filled at that point in time. Secondly, to see Him stay, we need to show Him sensitivity. See, if you read when Jesus was baptized, it said the Spirit came like a dove, came and stayed. You know why? Because Jesus was perfect. He never sinned, and so he never grieved the Holy Spirit. Sometimes what the Holy Spirit looks like in our life is he comes and goes. Now, he never leaves us. It looks more like this, right? Do you know when you have a fight with someone, you know, especially a family member? You're still family members. You just want to be in a different room for a while. Right? So you withdraw. Don't you? Well, see, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. That's the best I can describe it. Okay? So if you're going to push to have your way, he's just going to step back. He's still in your life. You're still loved. You're still a Christian. 
but he's just going to let you do it your way because that's what you want. You know, the most dangerous thing God can do is let us have what we want because we're not very good at knowing what we want. We're not very good at knowing what's best for us. And that's why we should submit to him. So on there, I've got a terrifying list on your seat. And, you know, you can study this and argue with it again. I don't care. But I think, you know, Joyce Meyer's pretty much on the money with this. If you look around, you look at the context of these couple of passages, right? And the two passages there are Ephesians 4 and 1 Thessalonians 5.19. So Ephesians 4.30, and this is where Paul's kind of wrapping up and giving some Final instructions to the Ephesians. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, right? And then Thessalonians, he's t- actually talking about um, you know, being ready for Jesus to come back. And so he says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. And Joyce Meyer says that around these passages are probably all the things that we can find. If you want to know, well, how do I not grieve the Holy Spirit? How do I not quench the Holy Spirit? Well, if you look around those verses, you're going to probably find what grieves and quenches the Holy Spirit. So all I've done is t- gone, taken all those verses and made a horrific list, right, of all the things that can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. Now, just before you get too disturbed by that, um, we can only do this list in the power of the Holy Spirit, you know? We can only do it with His help. It's another one that's probably not on there, but one commentator said, when people start to draw attention to themselves, it is sure to quench the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? That's some interesting teaching, you know, when the Holy Spirit's really moving in power. Have you ever been to some of those things? You may have been to conferences or different things where you really see the Holy Spirit move in power. And then suddenly it gets weird. And you kind of go, what's going on? You know what's happened? The Holy Spirit is moving in power. But someone who's part of it gets prideful and they start to move in the flesh. Isn't that interesting. The Holy Spirit just steps back. And then it becomes a man thing and it gets weird, and your spirit kind of goes, Oh, this was awesome initially, but now it's just got weird. And so we need to guard all the time against our pride. And so that when the Holy Spirit starts to flow, we don't think it's us. <laughs> it's not us. We're not the water, are we, Marty? We're just the power station waiting for the water to get some electricity flowing. I love that illustration. We're just the vessel. So anyway, um, I encourage you to take that list home and pray through that. And it's just, it's just helpful. Like if we need the Holy Spirit to live our lives in power, if we want to see, you know, um, Ray Heron, the guy who started the Salvage Discipleship School, used to say, being filled with the Holy Spirit or having his anointing or power in your life, it's like driving a Ferrari up a hill instead of a bicycle. Which would you like? Maybe you're into push biking. I'd rather drive the Ferrari up the hill. I'd rather do life with power than with struggle. I'd rather do life with a flow of God's power than with the striving of my own lack of strength. And so if I want that in my life, and you know it, I... How many illustrations can I give? Yeah, you know, when you're going great with God and then you do something dumb and you just sense God's kind of step back. Things get hard. You go, sorry, God, where did I leave you? And so, you know, this is a pretty interesting list. Respect leaders. If we don't respect leaders, we grieve the Holy Spirit. That's disappointing, isn't it? 
Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. <laughs> Got a bit of ways to go with that. Be joyful. Pray. Give thanks. Speak truthfully. In our anger, don't sin. Deal with anger. Don't steal. Work. It's encouraging. I'm not going to read them all. There's another one there. Um, never should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or joking. Yeah, well, the areas com- we compromise, I found Christians compromise quite easily. It's just swearing. That's a bit of a grey area. Oh, I didn't use a real bad swear. Yeah, what if it offends the Holy Spirit? Anything? Oh, well, now you kind of, yeah. Splitting straws. Well, I don't know. It's just in the Word. So if I want the power of the Spirit in my life, maybe I should you know, go home and wash my mouth out with soap or something or ask the Holy Spirit to wash my tongue in the blood of Jesus. Do you know what I mean? It's like, these, are, these are little things that can make a really big difference. Um, I love 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is not rude. Hey, if we want to be like Jesus and we want to flow in his love, a sign of whether I'm filled with the love of God is whether I'm rude or not. And when I find myself being rude, I go, well, I'm probably not sitting in God's love enough. I'm probably not receiving enough of his love. I've just been rude. Or I'm not connected to Jesus enough today because I'm not very patient today. See, because all this stuff, love, peace, you know, all the fruit of the Spirit come from the Holy Spirit. They come from being connected to Jesus. And so really, when we look at this list, I don't want people to get condemned. I just want us to look at it and go, man, I probably need to walk a little closer with Jesus. Probably need to spend a little bit more time with him. Like we're doing in worship this morning, just receiving his love and power. See, when we know how much God loves us, it's not hard to love other people. But we have to receive how much he loves us. Because if I try to love people before I know how much he loves us, I just can't do that. People annoy me. But when I'm filled with his love, I can't help but love other people. Anyway, there's the list. I love what um, the famous preacher Spurgeon said this, the Holy Spirit's grief is not a petty, oversensitive nature. (laughs) I love it that God's not like me. He is grieved with us mainly for our own sakes, for he knows what misery sin will cost us. He reads our sorrows in our sins. That great. God's not offended and upset for himself. He knows how much it's going to cost us if we live like this. Number three, to see the Spirit move, we need to be submissive. There's a favorite word. Oh, didn't they write a song, um, something like, um, Submission is not a dirty word. Is that the song? Oh, that's not it. Well, maybe we can make that. Submission, surrender. They're like dirty words, aren't they? Submit. I'm not going to submit to anyone. Well, you just submitted to the devil with that rebellious attitude. (laughs) Because the Bible says rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. Which means we're just, we get rebellious. You know, when I was most rebellious in my life, I opened the door to drugs, alcohol, failure, all kinds of stuff. So we just, you know what, you can be rebellious if you want, but you're going to end up shipwrecking your life. So the problem is, the opposite of rebellion is submission. I think the problem is, um, submission's been used wrong, right? Because I can't make you submit. That's called coercion or manipulation. Okay, submission is a hard attitude that I want to. 
So that's what the Holy Spirit does to Jesus. That's what Jesus does to the Father. They submit to one another. They don't have to. There's no power struggle. There's just surrender. It's like, you know, if you've ever been lost somewhere and you're following someone and it's like you're submitting to their authority because they know where they're going and you don't. And there's no power struggle because you don't know where you're going. It'd be nuts to follow. So I say, I've got to follow you and then you drive off your own way. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Acts 5.32 says, and we are his witnesses to these things. And so also it's the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. You know what? If we're going to see the Holy Spirit move in our lives, we need to be obedient to his promptings. And one of the things I've read numerous times which disturbs me greatly is we not only need to obey the Holy Spirit's promptings, we need to obey them immediately. (laughs) How hard is that? Now you can only do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. With his help, like, God, I want to obey you this morning. Because often I'll say, oh, God, that's a great idea. I'll get to that tomorrow. <laughs> Sometimes tomorrow's too late. God, I want me to speak to that person today. I need to actually shut down my agenda so I can speak to them today. Not, not always. But we need to be prepared and willing to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. One author speaking about the anointing or the power of the Holy Spirit describes the importance of repentance. That we are not only sorry for our insensitivity to God, but we change. That we cry out like King David after he was made aware of his sin, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There's a great prayer from Psalm 51. You know, I used to teach on submission at the Salvation Discipleship School, Submission to Authority, I thought, that's a terrible label because everyone's going to go, oh, I don't want to know about that. don't like authority and I don't like submission. So I changed the name to Protection for You and Me. Isn't that interesting? I think it's the same thing. See, last week, Katie talked about coming under the wings of God, you know, under his feathers, talking about the protection of God, that God is our protector. But we can't come under his protection if we're being rebellious. We can only come under his protection if we be submissive. If we say, you know what, God, I think you're right and I'm wrong and I actually want to do things your way because I think they're going to work so much better. That's an attitude of submission. Just saying, you know what, God, you're right, I'm wrong, that's okay. Let's try it your way. It looks a bit like this, right? I've told you this story before. I went, I wanted to go to um, Port Macquarie. I was living in Brisbane, had a girlfriend up there, and she said, let's go down and visit my sister in Port Macquarie for Easter. And I had this little, you know, if anyone said older, 76 model Gallant, 1600, that I used to flog the guts out of it. And so, you know, I remember saying to Dad, oh, we're going to drive down to Port Macquarie. Dad said, Dad, you're not going to drive down. And like, I'd left home. I was 18 years old. I could do what I like, right? I just happened to mention it somewhere and Dad heard and he said, don't drive, your car will never make it. Anyway, I went back to Brisbane and said, oh, my dad said you probably shouldn't drive to Port Macquarie. And my girlfriend said, oh, well, you don't have to do what he says, you've left home, you know. Wise counsel of a good woman. <laughs> just saying, happens. Don't always listen to your friends, friends. And um, I thought, you know, the, and I said to her, but the problem with Dad, he's often turned out to be right. My dad was wise and he was discerning. Praise God. And so I had this concern. Well, anyway, we, we took the bus to Port Macquarie. You know, it was 1989. There was no other 
No Ubers or wasn't many other options really. In 1989, hitchhiking or the bus. Wasn't even a plane that I could afford back in those days. And so anyway, you know, went to Port, had a great Easter with a sister. We came back. You know what? A couple of weeks later, I'm just driving through Brisbane and I hear some tingle, tingles, clunks, clunks and my car stopped. And you know how dead it was? There was a canyon burnt between the third and fourth cylinder for the mechanical people because it had a blown head gasket for so many years. I just thought you just keep topping up with water. That'd be all right. Mate, it wouldn't have got past the Gold Coast. Interesting that I didn't have to submit to my father anymore, but it was a good idea. And you don't have to submit to the Holy Spirit either, but it might be a good idea. Can you hear that today? You don't have to. But I don't know about you, in, in recovery circles, you know, it's handed over, what is it, the, my will. I do it my way or my higher power's way. And when I do it my way, it just doesn't seem to work so good. I don't know. I want to finish with this. I don't think I put it on the slides. So you might want to write this down somewhere because... Um, I love this. It's Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts saw one of the greatest revivals that ever happened in the country of Wales in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, it's actually probably only a nine-month revival, but stuff like, like the soccer stopped. Do you imagine that? The tennis open, Australian Open stops because everyone's too busy going to prayer meetings. <laughs> that would be weird. This is what happened in Wales. And this is what Evan Roberts said. He said there's four conditions for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to see God come in power and really shift um, the state of a nation. And it shifted the state of Wales significantly in those days. Confess all known sin. So anything you know that you're doing wrong, say, God, I'm sorry. Receive God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That's, that's just one thing. So confess sin, receive God's forgiveness. Remove anything in your life that you are in doubt of or feel unsure about. That's the grey stuff. Hey, Christians love grey stuff. Oh, it's not really wrong. But is it really right? He's saying get rid of the grey stuff. If there's a doubt, get rid of it. Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. There it is. Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly and publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, is Australia the great south land of the Holy Spirit? Well, there's one sure way to find out. Let's seek Jesus. Let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And let's obey what he tells us to do. And we might just find out. Let's pray, hey? Look, God, I just pray right now that you would just increase our awareness of you that you would increase our sensitivity to your voice. You maybe even remind us of something you've spoken to us yesterday or the day before or last week or last month or last year that we haven't yet obeyed, and that's to our detriment. And, Lord, we want to see our nation prosper. We want to see the nations of the world prosper, but, Lord, we know the only way for that to happen is that we submit, um, that we surrender to your way of doing stuff. And Lord, we, we know that's like, well, Lord, I know that's okay because you love us and you have our best interests at heart. So you're not going to lead us up the garden path like everyone else's opinion does or our own opinion does. And so, Lord, I just pray in this, in this time that we would just 
um, allow you to soften our hearts. So I think I was going to invite the band up. If we can do that second song again, Nate, is that all right? Um, don't mind if you use the appeal song for last song. Um, and I want you just to, you know, I discovered something about God the other week which surprised me, which is sad. But I just never thought about it, right? And it's around the whole soft-hearted and hard-hearted. you ever been hard-hearted? you ever been hurt? And when we're hurt, you develop a bit of a callous. Sometimes life just develops calluses on us, you know? Um, and we can get calluses on our hearts. And they become hard. And that's what makes it so hard to submit to God because it, we, the hardness is really just there to protect us from getting hurt again. But the problem with the hardness is it makes us unflexible, inflexible to follow God. And what I found out about God was he's tender-hearted. You know what that means in the Bible when it says God's tender-hearted? He's soft-hearted. God never gets a hard heart so he never gets you know sometimes he gets angry at sin but he loves us and so we can trust his soft heart you ever met anyone with a soft heart they're safe and so God's soft hearted he's safe and I believe that when we bring our you know our, our sometimes wounded or you know they're not fully hard but a bit hard because of the struggles of life we bring our hard hearts to God he can just, his soft heart softens our hard heart. And I believe I've had my heart softened just in the last few weeks. And I didn't even think it was hard. It was a little bit hard. I wasn't even aware of it, but God just softened it. You know, I encourage you to engage with this song. You might want to come and kneel if that's helpful. The idea of kneeling is just a way of humbling ourselves. Humility is a great way to connect with God. It's saying, oh God, I need you. You might want to come and kneel. Um, you might want to stand where you are. Actually, it'd be great. Well, I don't mind if you stand or not. But let's engage with the song. You might want to listen. You might want to sing. You might want to pray. Um, but let's just make sure that, you know, as we just become sensitive to the Holy Spirit this morning and God's presence here, because He's here by His Spirit, um, let's allow Him to do whatever He might need to do in our hearts this morning. Eh?